When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Defending champion, welcome, Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 72, and tonight we're going to be talking the latest MMA news and uh, some boxing and MMA for the last couple of days. It, uh, there's certainly been a lot of it, and uh, there's certainly been some newsworthy fights and stories to talk about, as well as uh, we'll be having a chat with another top guest from the combat sports world. But uh, as usual, you can watch this video or this show and all the other shows we do at Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, YouTube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. Click the bell for notifications. Subscribe. And uh, if you prefer your podcast in audio form, you can download them at all the podcast platforms. Just search Ace Podcast Nation and you'll find uh, over 70 Daddy Batten Fight shows as well as over 400 shows on various uh, subjects and and uh, different guests and whatnot. So plenty of content there with uh, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Uh, and of course, you can follow the Danny Batten Fight Show on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Danny Batten FS. But uh, with no further ado, let's get into it. Joining me as ever, former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, Mr. Danny Batten. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, yeah, really good. I'm enjoying this improving weather. It's nice that it's started to warm up a little bit, isn't it? Because it's yes, been another cold spell we've been through. And what a weekend as well. Lots of different things going on in the combat world. Uh, with a little touch of boxing, if you can call it that. And mm-hmm. um, Bellator's and UFC, action-packed. Yeah, loads to talk about, mate. Um, not all good, unfortunately. But then you can't have everything good. I had a lot of decisions on that UFC card last night, which um, was interesting. I do good card though, good fights. But um, joining us today, tonight tonight's guest is uh, Welsh bantamweight, currently signed with Brave, and it is uh, Mr. Aidan James. Welcome, mate. How are you? 
So good, guys. How are you? All good, mate. All good. So yeah, it's uh, been a, an interesting weekend of combat sports. Um, so we'll we'll do some predictions for next week's UFC, which is that looks like a proper card of uh, of fights. None of this. Uh, what would you call it, Danny? Circus, circus, uh, circus fights, I suppose. But, yeah, um, yeah, no. Yeah, we got some serious card coming up, haven't we? Yeah, next, yeah next week's a proper card of uh, fights. So we'll get into into the boxing and the MMA in just a minute, but we'll have a chat to our guest first and foremost. Um, Aidan, how old were you when you like first started in MMA and training and stuff like that, mate? Um. So like, MMA probably. I think like if I suppose when you start training properly, I'd say nineteen. Like I um moved to Swansea. I'm from Merthyr, so obviously around Swansea, you know, from the valley. Like I'm from Merthyr. I moved to Swansea, trained with um Chris Priest and uh, Bretton to find. Obviously now Andy Williams. I trained down there. Who um we didn't really have any like MMA in Merthyr or, or even gym to be honest. There was nothing there. Um. So I moved, like, there's like, some boxing gyms, like, obviously known for boxers, there's uh, several, quite, I think three or four real good I level boxers from Merthyr um, over the years. Then, um, uh, like, you've got your kickboxing judo, but nothing special. So I was just young and I moved down, but I was in another gym, but it was just, it was just like, do an armbar, do a triangle, it's a pad. But I didn't, I didn't even know there was guards, so I came down mm. and I white belt with Chris. Mm. And uh, I started learning jiu-jitsu properly, and I fell in love with jiu-jitsu then, and the sport. I'd say 19, but um, my fam, my mother, I got my mother, she's a like combat mad. She loves like boxing and me, so she was always just like, just add me at pad. Like, I'd bunch off school and she'd just be padding me in, in the garden and mm. stuff. And like, just, just scared me away as well. Also, because it was like, it was just that she was a bit w- uh, wary of like, someone would pick a fight with me if I weren't able to handle myself. So, yeah. She was trying to teach me something, but then I started, I started really enjoying as I got older, watching UFC and wanting to do the sport that I was watching all the time. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because like often, you don't necessarily people don't necessarily assume or that it's you know like the mum who's really into combat sports and stuff yeah. like that. So um, that's like I, I like that. I like that a lot actually. It's um, so you started training at sort of nineteen. Were you all were you like always into boxing and MMA though before you started training in it? Yeah. So watching the sport, yeah, I I loved like. I think when the first, um, so I remember, do you remember that Cabbage, Wesley Pereira? Yeah, yeah. I told me I was a kid and I just loved this, like, like fat guy who just mourning <laughs> people, like, <laughs> I thought he was fast, and um, I, I enjoyed him. And also, uh, do you remember Andre Lossi when he was, fuck it, I remember he fought last night, but uh, he was young, I mean, he had them th- fang gum shields. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're if you're like eight nine years old, a fan gum shields. Do you know I mean that's rock solid cool? Like yeah. I thought it was amazing. So and then I watch him spark. Someone thinks like Paul Bentel might be like just an old van waiting like a few seconds, and I just fell in love. And then when GSP started coming to his prime, like I was probably a little fanboy of GSP growing up. Still am, but yeah, like, I was proper. I was a fan mainly. And it, I, but really, I, as much as I watched, I weren't interested in fighting. Like I gained a little scuffles as a kid, and like. From the from it was just inevitable it would happen, but I never was like, oh, I'm going to be this one. I wasn't even sporty. I was a nerd. I just love the Xbox and playing, yeah. reading about space and stuff. But as I got a bit older, then things would happen and changes, causing all that more. 
yeah, so it's, that's it, isn't it? Like, what you're interested in as a kid, it doesn't always translate to where you go as uh, you get to your late teens and you're yeah. into adulthood. What you mentioned, like GSP and you, um, Arlovsky, what about like influences on you as a fighter, just not necessarily from like, uh, you know, like people you watch, but like people who train you and, and who are in your day to day life? Who would you say has got the biggest influences on you? Um, so, also when I first moved down, um, I knew Brett Warren, watched him like, do a couple of things. Um, I think I actually, just as I moved, I was planning to move down, he was going to fight or two. He had just, he was just fighting for the Cage Warriors uh, four-man tournament. They only won the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I spoke to him and I was like, but I was like, Jimmy, you know, I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, that's Brett John's like, oh, but was great. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. So I was like, oh, that's, that's where John's like, and my, my head was like, and um, he just finished a session, and um, I, I was I, I was like, with this lad who was with me, he's like, oh, go on, speak to Brett. So I said, I was like, Brett, I was like, uh, have, you got, have you got any tips for me? Like, I want to I wanna start a mate. And he was like, lying on the floor, he was like, punching his back. I was like, oh. yeah, I got one. I went, what? And then, don't do it. And just walked off. <laughs> I was like, oh, Brett, never mind then. Like, I'll just leave this alone. So I, I, I called my car, like, I was thinking, like he don't look like he enjoys this. He's fighting for a world title next week, and um, he doesn't look like he wants to do it. But basically, he was in bed. He was in fight camp, wasn't he? Yeah. And he just done like ten fives doing whatever. Like so. Um, I mean, my dad was the first he sent me to see the thing. <laughs> was like, yeah, don't do it. It's left. But um, yeah. So I ended up like, but anyway, she, I, I won the, he won the tournament, like, and I moved down, and uh, we become really good close friends like at the time. So I like, I he influenced me a lot. I was, like watching him train and like what he was doing like just grinding it out and like um because i moved from murphy swan they also like i had nothing money wise so i had like like i rent the house i was working part-time screw fix and i had, like just a mattress on the floor i had two matches mm. and i split the mattress and met brett so because he didn't have a car even though he's a cage was real champion against if you think of, like daniel Terry, there's no there's no money there made a start is it like, especially with cage no. quite big bucks like the so brett was sleeping in a gym or or like he like He'd come on my house and we'd split the mat. Like, I'd give him one mat first because two on top of each other, just on the floor, and we trained. But then, um, yeah, so I, I learned, I had a big influence off Brett at the start and, like, seen his, like, his work ethic. Then, um, over the years, then, like, obviously, I, like I said, I'd done little bits in Murphy, but I'd never clicked on the one. But Chris, I just clicked with quite, quite quick. Like, um, mm. it's, it's quite hard to explain, but any athlete or any coach will know, like, sometimes you just work with someone. I can't explain it. It's just it's like a tangible thing, but it's not something I can just explain out. But we were just like communicating things. We got bounced off really well, and I then just, I knew you understood how I thought and felt. I never I've never needed like that person to scream and shout like, "Oh, you got you gonna kill him? This is it! Like, do me this is you gotta do like I need someone to be calm and like I just want the, the advice that I need and Stra- I need strategy and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I I bounced with Chris. So me and Chris like uh, we're very close. Well, we talk we talked a lot and like um. A lot more of his thinking, his thought process helped to guide the way I think about things in myself because I'm a bit ADHD, like, so my brain can pop a spiral really yeah. hard. And then um, another big influence on me down here, I'd say, is um, my jiu-jitsu coach, Ashley Williams. Now, Ash didn't come into a little bit later on, so I learned more from my jiu-jitsu off Chris up until, like, uh, purple, I'd say, purple belt, and then, or blue, blue to purple, and then Ash came back because he was a student in Cardiff and he came back to Swansea, so I keep him full time. And we had a bit of a rocky start, to be fair, 
uh, when he first moved to like uh, come back we didn't quite click and mm. uh, obviously he was coming back to his gym and I was just like this little this be wild child like and uh, I didn't understand the way he would teach or explain things but now like we get on really like we are very close friends I mean physical part as well like I'm, I have one with him uh, yeah so with, with the guys and his thought of course like he's a super smart guy uh, mm. I don't think I've ever met Ash but if you ever do meet him like He's no, very, I haven't known. Very, very crazy intelligent, but his ability to break things down and see stuff—it's it's not just with jiu-jitsu or anything. Like he's got a degree in astrophysics. Wow. Is, yeah, I know, but uh, he doesn't use it all. Doing, he's just telling me what to do half the time. Yeah. He, he can see he's got a very analytical mind. So when we like discuss techniques or business or anything, like I can see his way his brain works and explains things well. So he's been another big influence to me. Um, and then I've I've a couple of guys on the way. I tend to pick up things off like, um, especially if I've trained somewhere or someone, like you, it's quite weird in like one-off encounters, I end up learning this thing. We'll mm. see, think. Um, and then I, I just watch a lot of videos. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I like, I'm like the YouTube generation and I start with sitting yeah. sick when I try and describe it, but um, I've watched so much fights, like especially growing up, like come from like when I moved down, I just watch videos and then like see some do technique and I just go try a spar and just try over and over again and if I liked it I kept and if I didn't I didn't try it again yeah I think um, that's the one or one of the benefits which today's generation of fighters have got over someone like in your generation Dan is that you can pretty much watch any fight from any era at the touch of a button so you can learn a lot quite quickly but um, the one thing I wanted to, to ask you Dan actually but something which um, Aiden just said there about his coach uh, Ashley and funny enough, um, Aiden, I would I would like to get um, Chris and Ashley on at some point because I think I've heard really good things oh, yeah. about both guys. Like, but uh, like one thing, um, Danny, which interested well, not one thing, but like interested me there was like he said he didn't get on with um, Ashley when he first started doing the you know started being his coach and that. And that's one thing I think that we don't always think about is that maybe coach and student relationship isn't always plain sailing and, and and you know it isn't always um that you get on really well it can be a, like a bit of a rocky start like how difficult is that to navigate as a coach yeah that's obviously part of the conundrum you know being a coach is trying to gel with so many multiple different personalities and and england being the way it is now in its present form you've got many different cultural backgrounds that you have to sort of like take into account when you're training with people um but that comes down to people skills and yeah. you know personally i think i can mingle in with most types of people and, and and find a way to fit into most people's way of thinking but nevertheless you know some people will choose another coach over another coach partly because of how they get on and the relationship and how they explain things you know that's always going to be a, a variable that a student will have to take into account when they decide where they're going to sort of like settle as their main sort of training gym and what, and what have you but yeah it does have its challenges um absolutely that but if you ever um, have a student danny which you like don't get on with yeah yeah name, I, you don't I, have to name them like but no, just, no, no, just no. interesting yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um, why yeah, didn't you like them uh, i've had fallings out with students really uh because of the way they conducted themselves more with the other students um, oh, so you get good, some yeah. guys that are, are bigger than others and as they begin to get technically better um they, they'll predominantly spar with people smaller than themselves, pulling them yeah. to one side, doing excess rounds with them, going excessively hard. 
um, and also showing temper when things don't go their way. You yeah. know, so yeah. I do spot this with students, and I'll be like, "Hey, so and so, you know, get in there and do a round with." with Frank, you know, just because he's mm. more your size. And then when it ain't going his way, you know, throw a wobbly and, you know, uh, get get uh, mouthy. Uh, yeah, I've had yeah. all of that. Experienced all sort of things. Um, I've kicked people out of the gym uh, before, you know. But this is a real rarity, I, I must say. You know, we're talking about a subject that really, mm. to the extreme, comes up very, very few times. Yeah, and, well, yeah we've uh, always said Modestus is a, he's hard work and he's a nasty piece of work, and he's so... <laughs> no, no, no. No, I'm not joking. But, no, no, no. But yeah, it, it, it's certainly interesting. It's a part that people don't it's really take into it, account, suppose, isn't it? Yeah, people just. But that's that, what. Yeah. Um, sorry, mate. That's what interested me about kind of what Aidan said. It's just, that's not um, like that's not necessarily a subject which we've talked about a lot within the coaching realm and stuff. You know, where we've touched on different aspects of coaching, like not getting on with someone. Because you know, with whatever your job is, if it's a nine to five, or you work in a shop, or you work in a pub, there's always someone you don't get on with. But you got to learn to find common grounds to do your job. And I think when you're trying to teach someone, it's difficult, isn't it? Because yeah. they, everybody needs stuff explained in a way that they can relate to or they understand so that they can then put it into practice and probably with fighting and, and jiu-jitsu and things like this like martial arts it's, it's probably even more so because you really have got to take it and put it into practice yourself people can't do it for you um right so i think a part of it comes from a, a belief as well so like i think that's where when Ash first came to our gym, back to the gym, to be in mind, like, he, he was, Chris is like one of his main first students before mm. I was there, but he'd left the Cardiff to go to university, he was after his degree, but also he's like teaching in Cardiff. Mm. So when he, like, originally, like, I'd seen him in the gym a few times, he'd had some roles, and he'd like to be a training partner. And I think, yeah. like, when he first came, um, he was coming more as, like, one as a business partner, but two was like a coach equal to Chris but he had like earn his position hmm. and I think for a lot of like especially the younger boys like myself to our pets and those I started like we didn't quite get it like we still need yeah. a big partner but now he's coaching us but now I, I see him fully as a coach but at the start like I, like I didn't I just, does he know like in my head like I didn't fully believe what he was saying so like it weren't so much that like he'd have an attitude problem where like I, I'm tend to think yeah what Danny means like, like I coach myself now and like then things do come up where you get guys you, you have to keep an eye on but is more to do with like I didn't quite believe in coaching. Yeah. Like, nah, like I call Chris my coach, but now like I'm like I totally see Ash as like uh, a close friend, but also a coach. And I, I if he says to do something, I would do it hundred percent. But that's a very like we've worked on our relationship together, both yeah. of us hard to build that. Up. What's um what's it been like training throughout uh, throughout COVID aid and like obviously it's been different for everybody. It's been difficult. Hmm. Some people have had more access to you know, gyms and stuff than others and it is it's been, been a trying time, isn't it? So like the issue so I obviously I help I obviously run the gym with the guys, so I have access to it in seven but uh, a lot of the fighters left the gym um uh just before lockdown. Like literally it was like obviously they didn't know lockdown was coming, but they like left like like the end of February or start of March and then we have a lockdown. So I lost like a lot of guys that, that I was trained with left the gym which meant I lost my like, main MMA sparring partners. Mm. And then, um, but as we come back up, like, I have a lot of good grappling partners to hold that. And 
I will try and, if I can, I will travel to meet guys. Like, if I had Ben Ellis on the fourth show, I, um, me and Ben Ellis meet up regularly and we spar and we get up done. Um, I got another a, a lad to roll, Evans. Like, he's, he's a, he, he is actually super skillful. Like, he's got a couple of nicks in his record, just people would overlook him now, which I hope they do, but he's legit, like. Mm. And then I'm, I'm going to look to, uh, I suppose, like, uh, make the positioning coach. Chris Meyer trained up in Birmingham, so I'm looking to go up to Birmingham do some training soon. And same with I spoke to Man uh, Aaron Abbey, Aaron Abbey, again some training. So like right now it's been like I'm doing what I can. I work with Chris, we like we do our wheel roll pads and do all things like roll bash. And again, like he's, he's a three time well he's a three week guy, three week back Glasgow champion. So I've got a real good idea of grappling partner. And his his ability to see grappling for me is very good. So it's not he's not like He's not that jiu-jitsu coach, like, right, we're going to put a Della Heaver in here and we're going to do this. Like, that's not the right. Like, he understands the right with me. Um, so, yeah, I do get, I still, I'm still training, I'm still getting what I can in. And I'm just doing, like, I do a lot of, um, especially now, like, I try to study a bit more. I always studied as an amateur, but then mm. when I went pro, I didn't study as much. And, okay. uh, like, so, like, some fighters treat, like, fighting, like, a nine to five. Then they go to the gym, they do a session. And they go home for a job and they work for them and that's brilliant if that's the way it is. But for me, like, it's always in my head, I'm always walking stuff and techniques. So, like, I'll go home, especially when I was an amateur as well, I was crazy for it. But I'd watch every amateur in my weight class, above and below. So I'd watch all the fair weights, all the light weights, and all the bantam weights, just in case anyone come up or down. Uh, I'd study amateur as well, and then I'd study pros. Then, like, if I am. Um, so, like, when I was fighting Franz um, uh, Malambo, I was uh, he's a good boxer, so I was like I want to try and fight him like GSP would. I'm not not saying I was GSP, no, I'm not saying that, but I was like how would GSP deal with like long range strikers and I'd study some of his tactics and see if they worked sparring. And then I would love to fight a similar build to me in the respective weight class and see the like, techniques they would use against like whatever my opponent may be, like a short stout wrestler or maybe a guy who comes out swinging. So I do a lot of studying, and even now I've gone back. Like I've gone back to studying a lot more, and I, I enjoy watching fights and actually just watching techniques and then trying them a lot more. Yeah, Danny, we've talked about a lot about like um, about fight IQ, which is basically that's what Aaron, uh, Aiden's talking about there, like and having a strategy to combat certain fighters. I know that's something that you're very big on. But also, I've you know, whenever we've had any of your fighters on, they speak highly of your ability to find. Uh, you know, a different strategy for different types of fighters and stuff like that. Like that is a vital part of uh, fighting, isn't it? And it's not just a case of turning up, doing your fight camp, and you know, going in there and hoping for the best. You've got to have a an approach for each individual fighter. Yeah, and as we spoke over the course of time of doing the podcast with different fighters, it's amazing now different that they have their approach in terms of their mental preparation i mean obviously there's a physical aspect that we all have to get ready for competition and that has to be put in place but some of them don't like to strategize they're just like hey look i feel pretty proficient everywhere and they're just instinctual fighters i suppose that's sort of like how i see them they're just instinctual they just play the fight out as it happens they don't like to strategize they don't like being limited to one train of thought they just want to go in there throw down if it's not going their way they'll clinch um they, they just don't work that way, um, which is absolutely fine. It seems that like Aiden, you're you're very similar to how I like to think that I am, as always been, which is to see who and what I'm up against, try and work against their skill sets, and yeah. maybe have something put into my game 
um, that might be a surprise on the night and so on and so forth. But yeah, there are fighters out there that they're just training all aspects of the areas like they should. They, they go in there, they're fit, well prepared, but they don't like to have a game plan. They, they, they just go in there and just instinctually take the fight um, on the matter minute by minute. And, and that amazes me because I would always want to have something in my mind, a little bit of a game plan on what I want to do. Am I going to kick this guy's legs? And am I going to stay rangy, jab and move and yeah. so on and so forth? But each so is their say, own, I suppose. As you say in this now, actually, like um, I, I feel like if you ask me this question in five years, I might give you a different answer of like how I approach it. But so I used to be really like, like I study my opponents a bit too much. Like I mean, uh, my business will matter, but like every night and every morning. And every lunch and every in between every session, I'd probably be searching on YouTube, watching the fight again, and again, slow more steps down, seeing what they did, like to the point where it was getting steamed. But especially like, the last two pro fights, or not the one before, but like the like uh, Jalal fight and Cameron fight, it was getting like crazy. But like my coach Chris said, like this time, find it down a little bit. We have a little watch, a little study, and then we'll go a little bit more into the instinctual side of what you just mentioned there, Danny, with um, more just feeling how the fight goes. Only because, like, like I said, you want to get bad insomnia, so like, I like wouldn't sleep for the weeks yeah. after the fight. I mean, like, I'd be crying in the like, I, I, so I don't fight. Nothing makes me upset. That's so bad. Nothing makes me upset except for Monday morning training or Tuesday, and I haven't slept like like a day and a half, and I just got rinsed by all the boys, and someone's trying to knock me out in like four weeks' time. That's the only thing that gets me life. But um, yeah, so I tried widening it down for hands to fight just. just not studying so much of the sport of the opponent, like I mean, just letting my own skill set do the job for me. And um, I did feel a lot more relaxed, especially after the fight. Like, I was, didn't I slept a lot better than, than usual, and um, I weren't so like really twitchy to all the guys' moves. Like, sometimes if you watch a guy too much, I was getting to a point where, like, so say you fight a guy with a real good head kick, you can almost overthink that head kick. So, when yeah. the camera else fight, like, I knew he could knock me out. And I knew we could knock him. Well, that's how he wins. He's knocking boys out. And I was this four old superstar. Oh, I've got a spec. It's all stuff I was getting told me. Or this. I was like rank number like 14 in the UK after four fights. And next thing I'm watching this guy. And I'm like, what? the week of the fight, the press fulfilled. I did an interview like the night before. Thing on the floor. But um, yeah, I was uh, I just was like, oh my god. Like the night before, I think he's gonna knock me out in 60 seconds. Mm. Yeah, he's gonna knock in under a minute. I could not stop thinking about it. And he's, I didn't. I woke Chris up at 2 a.m. So if you ever had this Danny one of your own fighters taking you up, I was like, Chris, mm. Chris, yeah. He said, what? I, said, I don't want to fight tomorrow. I, I just don't want to do it. Like, he knows me. So that's when I calm me down. He said, what, what's my? I, was, I just, I don't know. I, just, I don't feel like I want to do this anymore. Like, I, I, I've never felt like that in my life. I love fighting and I love the sport, but I was in bed. I, it was 2 a.m. and I was just like spiraling anxiety. I was like, I don't want to do this tomorrow. But again, mm. I really just focused so much on like, the power of his punches and the pressure of the moment that I just get me, I, I just didn't, I didn't do me. So I'm trying to yeah. like set back the road to me ramming on to no battery. But like I'm trying mm-hmm. to see about the machine instinct of still studying. And right now I'm trying to find a happy medium because I enjoy watching fights again. And I enjoy watching techniques and trying them out. And then like making sure I'm just working on myself and my own skill set. It's, yeah. um, go on, Dan. Yeah, that's right. it's really interesting. You know, you saying that. Um, I mean, everyone deals with fights in terms of their anxieties, and we've we've all got to have some form of anxieties. Otherwise, there's going to be something wrong with you. You know, you yeah. you, you don't fit into the normal stereotype of the, the emotions involved with knowing you're going to be competing against someone. But 
for me, I used to always get my dread as soon as I got the phone call saying, hey, you've been offered this guy out, you know, what yeah, do you think? Yeah. You're going to go. Yeah. As soon as I said yes to it, I used to find it was really on my mind and almost to a point where I was depressed that I had to prepare for the guy. Yes. Um, yeah. And then as I started to prepare, suddenly I'd start slowly getting into automatic pilot and it would seem more job-like and and I'd get more confident that I could yeah. put things in place to make the guy not so effective. I mean, I fought some guys that really did scare me. One of, one of the guys that I was most fearful of fighting was a guy called Tom Nimanaki. You know, uh, this guy was a black belt on the ground. Um, he could wrestle some, and he was a world kickboxing champion that was TKOing, KOing, leg kicking nice. the crap yeah. out of people. Um, and he had come all the way down to featherweight from welterweight. He had fought proficiently at felt welterweight, come down to lightweight, then wanted to challenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it made me maybe quite quite fearful. But the, 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 this is just the way it worked for me. Um, I just found as I started to prepare my training to make his skill sets less effective and my skill sets more effective, I started to feel more confident in my game plan and that yeah. there is always a way to win. And really, that's what I'm trying to instill into my students is that, look, if you've got two arms, two legs and a, and a head and, and yeah. you intelligently approach fights, even a good game plan, a good strategy, you can beat someone who's technically better than you in all areas if you put yeah. the game together in a correct way. So that way you should be going in with that little bit of confidence. Um, about a little bit of fear as well. I think it's a balance. Yeah. The whole fear thing is, is a balance. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, when you talk about analysing your fight, yeah, you can absolutely overanalyse with, without a doubt. I think when you're looking at a fighter that you're going to be fighting up against, you should be looking at what he does and does effectively and how do you negate that and then you try to get your own game off and I think, yeah. you know, that's a simplified form of it but you can dive in too heavy sometimes and get yourself stressed out. Um, sometimes you've just got to get in and go. It's like when you teach a kid to ride a bike. Um, you know, you well, teach them how to pedal a bike but yeah. they're going to fall off from time to time and yeah. you've just got to let that be but they will become good on the bike eventually. Yeah, I always find that was so sorry. Yeah, go on. I say when I step in, I like once I walk out, my nerves are gone. Like I, I always know this well in my own head. I'm like, but once I get going, I'm gonna be happy. Like I'm gonna be good. So mm -hmm. I, I just like that kid in the first fight. I like that now. Yeah, yeah. I'm hey, curious to know as well, Aiden. Um, yeah, sorry, keep jumping in on you here. Sorry, I'm just I'm curious. Right, I'm, I'm, I almost created like a routine for myself. From, from almost the night before the fight, uh, I would just yeah. almost have a routine. I'd go to bed around about the same sort of time, sleep, I'd wake up, always had a, uh, had a bath at a certain time. I had almost like a ritual routine that slowly developed, Not never was ever planned, just but I just noticed I felt it into a pattern. Yeah, I felt yeah. into a certain pattern that would lead up and, um, and indeed even my warm-up before yeah, I went out I, was a ritualistic. So do you have the same? That. So like mm -hmm. I am, I read a lot of like sports psychology books and stuff, and um, I was doing this like you said naturally without planning. It just started happening. It's just from competing more. The more you fight and compete, the better you are doing it. And mm -hmm. it was showing the, like the effects of just trying to keep stuff as similar routine as you as, as possible without making it too rigid. Where if something went wrong, it it messed you up. It can help with performance. And I was realizing I was doing it naturally anyway. Like I do the same things. Like pretty much do the same thing. Like go chill out. Yeah, my, like do my bits, wake up, same type of warm up, get into it. Like I, I when I walk now, I feel like yeah, like I'm feeling in the fight mode. Like I'm just transforming that character. You know what I mean? To go out, to yeah. Um, I always end up sitting on the toilet in between, like before I go out. I don't even. I just sit on there and I just read quotes on my phone. I always do it. Like I don't. I just, just it's a little quiet cube going out the way. There's no other fighters mm. facing the training room. Not seeing someone just being lost or covered in blood if someone screams. They've won. 
just sitting a little bit and have five minutes myself out, out the way of everyone. And then, like, usually for me, when I go from that moment back, it's game time. Like, I, I'd be warmed up a bit, go, then I'll come back and I'm like, right, I'm done now. Like, let's, let's, get, let's get out there, let's go. Mm. Aidan, you mentioned um, before the show, and you've mentioned it a couple of times in the show, that you suffer from, like, um, insomnia. And I just wondered if that can have, a, I know, like, you've obviously just talked about, like, pre-fight anxiety and stuff like that. But, like, if you do get really bad in, insomnia, in fact, that does interest me because I get it, my, I got it myself. Yeah. Like, literally, last night, I was up till about five and got up at, like, it's six o'clock. Like, I just couldn't cool. sleep at yeah. all. Yeah. And it's brutal. Like, it, 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 like, me just trying to deal with, like, my day, I had to do a bit of editing and some stuff. Like, nothing too heavy, but I just had a bit to do today. And I struggled all day because my head yeah. was fried. Like... If you're doing that, if you're not sleeping, it's not allowing your body to to re- recover and recuperate yeah. to go into a fight camp or to go into a fight or just you know to train every day. Like, how hard is that to navigate? And is this something which is, again, I guess, is an ongoing problem, or is it just yeah. something which rears its head like now and again? No, it comes like it's 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 like I I think it's stress related for me. So like I get stressed or fight. I just, I'm straight up like if anyone asks me I'm not going to pretend to be like the super hard macho like I'm not it's, it's nerve wracking it's fucking terrifying mm. but um, like the the biggest issue I found in the song yeah, besides like the not sleeping is the when I'm not recovering which is never it's, I mean, that's never a good thing like I'm going to bring in a bit more fatigue than I should be but also like uh, this is that people forget like, I don't know if you noticed today but if you have an informed like you notice that your food choices one beer soda, one week more sugary platform yeah. snacks. Like that's like a, um, lots of coffee. Yeah. So like, when I'm cutting weight, and I got a fight coming up. I haven't slept like a day. Maybe I've had two, three nights of real bad sleep. Like I'm already cutting weight anyway, dieting, and then I'm like, my body just wants to eat shit. This is the truth. Like you want these sugar fat mm-hmm. forms. I mean, it's it's, uh, mm. it's part of your brain. You want to get like easy quick food and calories and recharge up. You don't want to go and eat chicken rice and have all your salad, and then you don't want to go and do your sprints. And you don't want to go and do your the 10 grappling on whatever you got to do um, so it's going through that uh, but what I tend to do is like I train all year round so I, I never I don't take time off unless I have to like obviously when I put my hand out and take a bit of post rest where, where I could anyway like I just go run mm. what to do so like Chris will like I've turned up to the gym before and he's just gone no you're going home you go go home you're not training today go home and I'm, I'm like I'm going to be here I'm going to be filming like hearing like no, no, I've got to fight coming up today. We don't need to get these rounds in. He's like, no, you don't need to get these rounds in. You don't need to risk injury. You're not sparring. You're not, you're going home. Or, so like, I'll have that. And then Ash gives me another, Ash gives me another idea for talking things. So Ash would be like, all right, you can still do your rounds. Because obviously, like, as a fighter, you'll like, you do not want to skip a session. You don't want to skip a warm up. You don't want to skip a, yeah. a So, um, he's like, you am going to go and do these rounds. But you, you go not expect to be a Ferrari today. So you can't go in expecting uh, a few performance. You've got to go in understanding you're going to be performing down here. So you've got to play to perform down here. Um, that's a new thing you worked on. It's helped me a lot more. So like, like especially my last fight camp, again, I've done doing times I'm going in sessions and I'm fatigued and wrecked, but I haven't slept and recovered. And I'm expecting to just rinse everybody that I would usually beat because that's the way it is this guy's in the gym you, you beat for comfy and I, I, I'm not doing it as well as I want to do it better mm. 
But before I give you more so about him, like freaking out, sitting in the back and going, oh my God, if so-and-so did this to me, then Hamza, he's going to have his way, he's going to knock me out. But now I don't. Like, I understand, like, I can't go in expecting to perform like a Ferrari. So, I mean, if I'm not going in being like a Ferrari. So, yeah. I use that a lot more now. But, again, like, this, I think it's this being said before, it takes confidence to have rest. So, there are days when maybe I come to the gym, I am really fatigued, I've done a lot of sessions, my body's not covered, and I have a day off. Um, before I couldn't do that, this is something like, uh, like probably from like when I was younger with Brett, like he would never take a day off. Like that, like, he's probably like it now, like obviously don't train us now, but again, like he's probably like that now, like he will never take a day off, you have to force him. It's quite like, it's just seeing that, like that mindset was ingrained in me. So now, like, I'm like, no, it's okay, go home. One set missing one session is it doesn't mean you're gonna lose a fight. Mm. So I use yeah. that a lot more. Sounds like that's um, also. It's good that you you've got people you can trust as well, who are, you know, they're not just like train, 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 train. They've yeah. got your best interests at heart. Like, so if they can see that you're, you know, you haven't slept or you're not in the best shape, it's not just a case of business as usual. They're doing what's best for you, and you as a person and a fighter, then you know psychologically that you can trust them. So yeah. what that does is in the long term, like. In six six months later, when they're advising you about a strategy or a fight, or they're saying do this, you know, hundred percent, you can trust yeah. them, and it's it's got a, a knock on effect, I suppose, haven't it? Yeah. Long term, like, um, look, um, last year I just wanted to touch on um, it was you haven't fought now. Uh, was it September last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming up to well, the mid April. What's uh, was any news on like a next fight for you? So I'm I'm literally trying to book one now. So I'm I'm training like I'm in fight camp. I'm preparing like I want to fight June. So like I know there's a card in June. I'm on to brave. I'm on to my manager. And I'm on to brave to get that fight in June. But they this I haven't come back with anything right now. Or they are slow sorting things out. It's really frustrating for me as a as a fighter. But I'm just gonna prepare it anyway because like they offered me um they offered they offered me a fight. Uh, for March, but it was like uh, February, like 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 the last week of February. So it was like three weeks away or three and a half weeks away, and right. I wasn't. I prepared my week wasn't as good. But again, the guy he was like, again, I've had six full fights. Just me, a guy who's fifteen and eight. I was like, oh, fuck sake. Like I was like, mm. like I said to Chris and Bray, I was like, if you just could have given me. If you could have said like, we will put you on in in March, be ready for it. Then we've been a bit more ready. But like when I found out the shows were late, I got a lot of training partners. And then they offered me a guy with 20 odd, 23 pro fights. Yeah. I was like, well, look, I'm not prepared. So, like, after the last two fights, my gym, like, I've always taken on anybody and everyone. So, they, they try to say, like, you can't just go scrapping everyone like this. If you don't perform the best, you need to be prepared in the pandemic. So, I'm just prepared for June now. So, if they do get offered someone like that on four, for three, four weeks notice, I'll be a lot more prepared for that situation. Yeah, I think um, that's good. And obviously, we found out just before Danny came in before the show that uh, you once upon a time you got offered one of Danny's fighters, which uh, that was quite interesting to find. So tell us yeah. the story behind that, mate. I was I was just sitting in Costa. I think I just fought. Um, I think I just fought Luke Westwood, and then I was offered Jordan Bushenik, and they were like, they were like, do you want to fight Jordan on Saturday? And I was like, I can't fight in um, Kingsley Crawford. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, so I was like, but I, I, I after that day, because I don't really hear his name, so I just 
like I said, like, I walk everybody, so I walk to him. I think, oh, this kid's pretty. He actually reminds me a lot. Of, his style is very similar to my training partner at the time, Scott Pedersen. So I think, yeah. oh, it's quite like Scotty. And um, I've watched him. I've watched a lot of his fights. So then um, he fought. I watched. Uh, he fought Panic Sousa. So um, I got. I think no. I think I was speaking to a promoter, and he said, "Oh, look, Panikos said no to me. He might not have the promoter said to me, not to fight me. I think at the time I was like, I was a pivot about, but they could see he had a good grappling base, and he was a striker, and he was like this fucking shit up my tie guy. So I mm. think he would think he didn't want to fight a guy on his pro debut. So I, that was not as I said. I did one pro fight, and I couldn't get a fight. So they offered me Panikos, so right? And I think Panikos said no. But then I ended up seeing him fighting Jordan, and then Jordan triangled him. And then Jordan fought Shao Buster, and uh, Shao Buster is like a guy I can fuck this guy's legit. I've seen, I've been on a bunch of I've been up to amateur shows he's fought on my teammates. He fought in the Iron Mask, so I know he's good. And then Jordan beat him, so I was like, oh, fuck me, I'd like this Jordan kid. And then, like, obviously he's a different weight class, but I just, like, I'd watched his career since, and, like, he's really sharp. And then um, I watched his fight against Paul Hughes, and I was like, ah, oh, this, this guy's class. Like, so I mean, I followed each other and told me he doesn't have any like me for stuff. But um, I seen that he was doing some rounds in um, BLS MMA up in, uh, which is funny because I was saying my conditioning course, my year trains there. I was going to go up there and do some wrestling and grappling on the So I like chatting then because I got a lot of respect for him and his, uh, his style of fighting. Like, I like, I like, and I like what he's about. Like, he seems like a good kid on interviews and like the way he conducts himself and just like a hard working lad. So again, yeah, I got offered Jordan back then. Small world, in you know, the fight world. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that that takes us quite nicely, Danny, into who's joining us next week, mate? Uh, Jordan. There we nice. go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, his fight against that, who we see, like, that was, me and the boys were watching that. And Legendary. Like, I, had, I had that fucking, do you like that UFC main event fight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had that fight just sitting there. I was like, well, we're just two UK pros. Why do I feel like yeah. it's me and the boys watching it? Mm-hmm. And then they, they all scrambling. Like, I was like, that was a high level fight. And then, um, obviously, he just looked like it against Sharia, or I don't say his name, Mark Morgan. Sharia. That featherweight division of Cage was brilliant. It's quite mad, isn't it? Probably the best in the UK at the minute. Yeah, none of them would be at a place in UFC, I'll say, that top five featherweights. No. I don't know, Sharia annoyed me a bit by the way he behaved after after Jordan's fight. Like, I know, like, but he's got a big following and stuff, so it's probably not intelligent for me to criticise him. Like, I just didn't like the fact that he was a bit didn't want to shake hands and oh. like because Jordan like Jordan beat him clearly, and I just felt like it was a bit I don't know petulant, like maybe. But you know, it's what it is. No one likes losing, especially when you're a, you're a champion who's got a lot of hype behind them, and you get beat oh, by someone. You know, Jordan Dan is still relatively inexperienced, isn't he? Like he's only got. Um, a small number of pro fights, really, but um, yeah. if he doesn't bring the belt with him next uh, next Sunday, though, he's not coming on. Oh, me. trust me, he brings it to every bloody training session. Good. Uh, That's what I would do. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd take it everywhere, mate. Take it everywhere. He's holding up his trousers with that bloody belt. Honestly, it's a, no, mate, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now he's, he's loving it. Him, mate. I um, I also so we'll we'll move on to talking some news and stuff now before we go on to the fights and stuff from last weekend or this weekend. Um, but one of the things which caught my eye on social media, Paddy Daniel, uh, his first round of um, tests with the UFC, which was I thought was quite quick from when they announced him signing yeah. to doing those tests. They're going to stick him in a fight real soon, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, Aiden, how do you how do you think he'll do? 
uh, Paddy Pimlet, mate. Who, me or uh, Yeah, uh, you, yeah. yeah. No, Andy, go on. You, uh, uh, Aiden, sorry. Uh, how do you think Andy? Paddy will do? <laughs> I know Andy, I think, sorry, I, mate. I, I think he'll do good. Like, um, uh, so, years ago, like, when I was like, oh, I don't know what he's doing, because he was bent with UFC, when he was like, oh, I don't yeah, know yeah. well, like, he had some holes in his game. But, like, um, like, I think he's changed. I think his outside situation might have changed a bit more. Like it's like what he does is what Paddy is. I think he's. You, you forget, like twenty-one years old, being a cage world champion is young. Gotcha. It's just, it's just a lot. Like you, like twenty-one-year-old kids. Like for a lot of people, like again, I just, I live in, I, I only do this. But for a lot of people, they've got lives outside, or they, 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 they still all that stuff going on. So like you'd see him, like he was in the best shape, maybe still growing. Um, Whatever now, like you look at him, he looks like a legit athlete, he looks like a world champion, he looks like someone who could do well. So, I think like you're going to UFC, and I think he really will um, perform. And I think he's got great presence, his ability doesn't really carry himself. And when you yeah. fight Paddy, he's got that, that thing of um, it's like you fight something bigger than Paddy sometimes, yeah. I think they get overwhelmed by that when they fight him, yeah. I'd agree with that. I think um, the difference between him now and when he was the featherweight champ is one I think his striking's better his all round game is better he yeah. hasn't got any like now I look at him and I don't feel like he's got any holes in his game but also um, like he's told us Dan didn't he like his his life outside the cage is settled he's got a house yeah. with his missus um, he's got rid of the the kind of hangers on and people who were just telling him what he wanted to hear and you know basically had their hands out and then when things went a bit tits up and he lost the fight and lost the belt they kind of all disappeared like um yeah. but like yeah it'd be interesting i'm really looking forward to seeing how he goes but danny like just lastly on paddy like the um the thing is when people say he grew up in cage warriors it almost seems like a bit of a cliche like you're just saying he's been there a few years but no. like he literally grew up in cage warriors yeah. he was there when he was 18 and if you look at the first photo of him, he put it up on social media. That first photo of him, his first ever Cage Warriors fight, is like he is a kid. Like he's he not a legit, man. Yeah. He's a kid, like legitimately. And like I think there's there's something to be said for just the amount of respect he deserves because when he you know, he had that featherweight title when he was young and when he lost it he had some injuries and you know things didn't go well for him for not necessarily with losses but things weren't going as well for him and that's yeah. difficult to deal with as a young athlete isn't it Dan yeah uh, yeah um <laughs> sorry yeah I think I think he's you know this kid's been through a hell of a lot you're, you're right he come into it ever so young um you know a really good level being it was cage warriors to me cage warriors is world class there's no, no two questions about it and to be in it so young and with that personality that he have as well which can come across um it can come across negative in many people's minds and indeed when he was younger i think that perhaps was the case but now he's matured i don't see it as cocky anymore i see this guy as completely confident he totally and utterly believes in everything that he says that he's going to do um i think he knows he's something special yeah. Personally, you know, if I'm going to be critical and, and I kind of have to be forced into a corner to be critical because I'm so impressed with many, many aspects of, of his personality and um, his, his training ethic and his skill sets, and I still want to see how he's going to be when he's put under pressure with the striking and, and can't get the guy down to the ground. You know, 
and he's got, he's going to have to strike. You know, yeah. at the minute we've seen him strike and get the clinch and get the takedown. He's been able to steer it in the direction that he's needed to to get the win. And um, it's more going to be a case of when he can't just send it to the area where he needs to be. Then what's it going to be like when he's on the receiving end of a little bit of pressure? Because mm. that last fight that we saw, it was really, really impressive. And you've only ever got what you've got in front of you. But we really can take away anything regards of what he had to offer when someone's putting it on him. And um, UFC is definitely going to be where we're going to find that out. But uh, I have utmost confidence that he'll be finding his way and finding the right way very, very quickly in UFC. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, on the subject, I suppose, of, uh, of confident fighters, UFC 264 sold out in seconds, uh, which is obviously going to be Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, uh, the trilogy fight. It's going to be a real interesting fight. I, uh, I'm i surprised that this is the route that both fighters went now because I felt like Poirier deserved that title shot. Um, yeah. And he would. He, I think he would have got it as well if he had not taken this fight. And I also feel like this is quite a risky fight for Conor McGregor because if Poirier starches him again, has he lost a bit of value? Yes, he'll still be the big fight. But ultimately, it will do him a bit of harm, um, Dan, do you think? Yeah, but I just think with regards to Conor McGregor, look, he's rich, um, so he's not having to do it for financial means. He would love to add to his legacy because he's he's a legend in the sport. However, you look at it, what no matter yeah. what was happened in his recent years, he's done some amazing things for the sport. He really, really has. Um, I just think there's some other real monsters out there that he could be matched up against because he's been quite versatile in regards to the weight that he's willing to fight at. But um, he has beat Poirier once. I, I, although he underperformed in a lot of people's minds against Poirier last time out. There um, were signs there, wasn't there? Yeah, there were signs that he could be good. I just think that he keeps dipping his foot in and out of MMA. And MMA is of such a level now that you just can't do that and think you're going to be successful in the highest order. He ain't going to get no breaks. He ain't going to get no pushover fights. He, he's, he's going to have to fight some real dudes every single time he steps in. And... And, and so for, for, for that fact, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's fighting Poirier again. I think it'd be good. It'll still be highly watched. But you've got to think, why does Poirier want to take this fight? And I can't help but think to myself that Poirier is picking this fight because I think it's going to ferment him um, uh, financially. So that yeah. regardless of what happens when he does get that title shot, because at some point he probably is, if he loses it, I think he can retire quite happily. Um, I just think he's setting himself up financially with this fight. Yeah. There's nothing more than that for him. Financially, the Conor McGregor fight is more, you know, it's going to be better for him than taking the title yeah. fight. Um, and also, if he loses to Conor McGregor in the trilogy fight, he'll still probably get the title shot unless yeah. Conor, unless unless Conor McGregor decides he wants to go for it. And I'm not entirely, I say I'm not entirely sure. I think he'll go for it. He has said recently that he would like to be the first three weight champion. And let's face it, he does enjoy being the first person to do stuff. Um, <laughs> just very quickly, um, Aidan, how do you see that fight going between McGregor and uh, Poirier? I, it's, it's hard. Like, I'm a mass, I'm a super McGregor fan, but I'm also a big Poirier fan. Like, I love them both. So, like as a fan, I, 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 I don't even, I don't even want to watch the fight again. I hate to see him get knocked out last time. But then, yeah. 
Um, I, the only thing for me, I seen a, a statistic, and it was like um, Holy's fight time over since they first fight versus McGregor's fight time since they first fight, and the number difference was ridiculous. Like, and uh, even if you just went over the last two years alone, like Holy's fight time just two in the last last twenty-four months, and McGregor's fight in the last twenty-four months again, ridiculously different number. And um, it, I think it does matter. And even his last fight, he got in there, and you could just see just like straight off the bat. And McGregor's quite a fast starter, he always has been, but he's always been active. McGregor's always been super active as a fighter. Like, if you look at all the way he came up in the UFC and through cage wise, he was an active guy. So, um, and I think being active, your timing's a bit better, your, your, your intuition's a little bit better. You just, these extra, like, these spider senses you have as fighters, they, they are just on. And always seem to just have them, plus all his training that he's picking in. Uh, so, prediction for me, I'm going to go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go McGregor KO. I, I can't go against him. Can't go against uh, him. Yeah. So well, <laughs> I did see um, a thing with John Kavanagh, and he said, like, whereas over the last couple of years, McGregor is, has dipped his toe in a bit, you know, in and out. Like he is apparently all in now. He's training full time, and he's. Is he doing skills though? So on Instagram, he's just doing conditioning. He's. I am yeah. with a single trainer partner. Whereas Corey is always on that wall. Always on the mat. He's always doing wrestling rounds, wall wrestling rounds, boxing rounds. He's always doing skill-based training. And you do think if McGregor was doing that stuff, it would be on his social media because and he puts everything on there. But if you go back to that old documentary years ago, McGregor was like, uh, "I'm not going to try and do the acting on butcher it." But it's him with the RT documentary. And he was like, "If you ask me, come in here and push a tire, we'll do ten rounds. You're going to do the ten rounds every time." But mm. now with a He's there pushing the tiger twenty four seven, and he's not ten rounds every time. And I think yeah. that to me is a big sign. Yeah, I can. I yeah, can, I can you know that. what? I, to- I totally agree. That's uh, you know a well spotted uh, view of how you've seen the differences in his preparations. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you've got to wonder, you know, when someone gets so wealthy and becomes so legendary in his status, whether they start to think that beyond just doing training with regular people mm. sh- trying to strive to make yeah. their their own successes in the sport um yeah I, I think it's so so important to keep training with multiple training partners even experimenting with different coaches and coaching i think that's always a, a good thing and i always push that onto my students or at least give them the freedom to go elsewhere to do their training yeah. as well but yeah you do wonder you know that's not going to really make him any better as a martial artist, is it? I, I do think his conditioning is an issue. He does gas. But I think that's yeah. to do with the fact that he's got really, really fast muscle uh, twitch fibers. And he yeah. just doesn't have the endurance type. I think that's just the way he is physically. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think you can't beat training with bodies. Now, I had, or I have had issues because of what fighters have come out and said. And one of them was that Holloway said that he don't spar. And that's it. Some of the guys that are a little longer in the tooth that have been around a long time say, no, look, you know, I don't need to spar. I don't need to spar. And I'm like, look, that's a real oddity. And I bet you the truth is he probably does spar. Yeah, but he probably, he, he's probably just not sparring the full aspect of MMA uh, yeah. with MMA gloves on. He's probably doing striking, just wrestling, just grappling, just tweaking a few ideas. He's reached that level where you can get away with doing that. But that's yeah. quite an oddity. And you do get your oddities. Um, you get your standouts, yeah. and I think Holloway's just one of those. But my goodness, sometimes like it's a nightmare for us coaches when someone says something like that. Suddenly, everyone thinks the answer is never to spar again, uh, no. and that's not the case. 
That's not my problem. I love sparring. I spar. I spar. I spar now. <laughs> um. Okay. So, let's quickly talk about it. Uh, last night we saw Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Danny, we oh. talked about this for the last few weeks. We we were praying that Ben Askren was going to do the combat sports world a favor and just finish this YouTube boxing thing. Um, but just before we talk about that fight, um, I saw that uh, one of the uh, very trusted reporters said that uh, last night, uh, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, Google Trends, so like the amount of people who search it on various Google platforms, was 5.2 million, right? Mm -hmm. So to put that into perspective, last weekend was WrestleMania, which is obviously with the WWE, one of the biggest companies in the world, over two nights only did 750,000. So wow. that kind of puts into perspective how much attention Jake Paul and Logan Paul do bring to boxing and, and these things. Like, you can't you can't argue with the numbers. And, look, I could sit here all night and tell you how absolute, utter dog shit I thought the commentary was. The I just yeah. thought it was cringeworthy. I found it almost unwatchable. Luckily, I only watched 11 minutes of it this morning and watched the main event fight. I didn't watch the Frank Muir fight. Frank Muir lost to Steve Cunningham. Um, I didn't have enough interest to watch it all. But the commentary was just horrendous. Um, it is what it is, though. Maybe I'm just old. But I don't know. But in terms of the fight, look, a lot of people said it's a fix. And I saw someone, someone put a clip of uh, Ben Askren, he was at, I can't remember who it was against, but he had basically had a UFC fighter on top of him, repeatedly elbowing him, in, elbowing him in the head, and that didn't finish the fight. And then he went down to this one punch, which wasn't, it was a good punch, but it wasn't like anything compared to multiple elbows with someone on top of you. Yeah, that finished the fight. However, what I would say about that is, that really wasn't up to Ben Askren, the fight finishing. Like, he got to his feet. He did, you know, it's not like he stayed down off that punch. He got to his feet. He answered the count. He answered the referee. He spoke to the referee. The referee decided that it was over. So if, it, if it's a fix, I'm not sure you can point to Ben Askren as it being the reason that it would be more the referee. And look, yeah. there was the first image you see of Ben Askren after the fight is him with his missus laughing. So I, I get, like, you know, that's I, that's an issue, I suppose. But, um, yeah, Jake Paul won via knockout. Uh, the referee stopped it because Ben Askren was stumbling around the place, is what the referee said. He wasn't stumbling around the place. Um, Aidan, we'll go to you first. As the young man on the panel, uh, what did you make of what you saw of the event and also the fight yourself? Um, so similar to you, I didn't watch much. I watched a little bit of the first fight, boxing fight, and then I turned off that we were about a minute and a half in to seem ridiculous. Then um, uh, I I didn't get the quality team at first. Like so, I I thought like I said to you, earlier, I thought just snoop casting. I didn't contend the series where they had like yeah, like an alternative commentary booth where they got drunk. Then I found the last last legit commentary booth. I was like, oh right, this is a proper spectacle beer. Like. It, it actually felt like a YouTuber event. It was yeah. a YouTuber event, but it felt like a YouTuber event. Like, if a YouTuber event did a boxing show, that's mm. what it was. Um, and uh, the fight itself, um, 
uh, I was debating with the guys in the gym this morning about whether uh, we took a dive. I think it's a solid shot. Like I watched it. Yeah, it's like, a good if, shot. To be fair, if 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 he acted that out, he's a much better actor than Aldemir Sterling because I hit him hard. Like he went like, yeah. over on his spawns, landing his head, his arms in out. And again, like like from my, I speak to my my mate Mark about this. Um, when you're young. When you just like no like the young spunk, whatever you want to call it, doing they just full of it. Like you have this type of thing inside you where like I don't say to be older yet, but there's a belief, especially with young guys. Like, I I never been like as boisterous with it myself, but there's like that energy you just want to come to kill. You want to smash. Like you see guys in the gym all the time. Like my mate Marcus was talking to about it. He's that typical like he's he's a confident young man. Like um, mm. so as much as Ben can go on his past experience and his thoughts and stuff. It don't matter who you, like, like who you fought when you are when you are fighting. It's just you and that person. You've got to respect them, and you've got if you've got to respect these young hungry power. Like when a guy wants to come to hurt you, and like when you've had three fights, you're nervous. That's his third, 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 third pro fight. Yeah, you're I think third nervous, or fourth. Like, you're excited, and you 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 want to go and put. Like, you're gonna quite a lot of your shots. So you're gonna want to go and put the guy away. When you fought some of the biggest killers in the world, and you see this kid as a YouTube star. And you may, I don't know if he didn't prepare for it, but when he came out and he was trying to clinch him and he just looked really like, I don't know if his plan was to try and weigh him down with some like clinch work and weigh on him. I just feel like that jab again, just too slow. And he just comes through the top of the bang, on top of the, top of the head. I just don't feel like that was a fit. Wherever the, the ref would fix it, maybe, but not, not from Aspen. I just felt like he didn't, he just, I felt like he never was going to box or be a good yeah. boxer. Like Danny, we said the one thing which could undo Ben Askren was if he didn't take it seriously and he didn't prepare and like he didn't look in the best shape. He was slow and sluggish with his the, the few strikes he did let off. He did. He tried to clinch up, like Aiden said. It wasn't particularly impressive, but yeah, I knew. I knew social media train goes on. I knew he was in trouble or he was in trouble as soon as he come out and he held his guard with his elbows extended from his body you know, he was he, he was trying to put his hands up like it was yeah. ridiculous his elbows was right out he's putting his hands up to his head rubbing his head, head down to his hands and um, that, that that just means that if hands are coming at you and they come in more than one your chin's going to start coming up you're going to have massive holes in your defence uh, I just knew he was going to be in trouble and um, yeah it was matter of time before he got knocked on his ass. I think it was an actually legit knockdown. Um, yes, the ref stopped it possibly too early, but I think he would have been knocked down again in the, probably the next yeah. round, to be honest, with that yeah. kind of defence. Clearly, I mean, we, look, Benestrin's no striker. But he has, obviously, he's not done no real training to try to no. rectify that. I think there's nothing more than a payday. Benestrin don't take himself seriously. He jokes about no, himself all the time. I think this was a bit of fun for him, for which he got paid probably a stupid amount of money. And well, um, this was nothing more than a financial stunt for him. As a, but it <laughs> hasn't done that, us any good. Because no. Jake Paul's now going to... He's just creating more well, he hasn't attention fought. to himself. Here's the thing, Dan, right? Uh, first and foremost, Ben Askren would have got paid more for that fight last night, especially after the pay-per-view buys, than he earned in UFC and one combined. Yeah, yeah. So I don't fault him for taking it. Good for him for getting himself into a position. Because let's face it, his UFC career finished, went badly, finished badly. So he yeah, wasn't yeah. exactly at the top of his uh, like fame game, if you like. So to get in that fight and get it and get paid, good for him. You can't fault yeah. him. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of Jake Paul, he still hasn't fought a boxer. He still hasn't fought someone who's a legitimate threat for me. Um, so until he does that, I find it difficult to really comment on his uh, his skills or his abilities as a fighter. But he did finish him with a good shot. Um, a few names that have come up that I want to put to you. Uh, Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury's younger brother, said he wants to fight Jake Paul. For me, Tommy Fury would absolutely destroy Jake Paul because Tommy yeah. Fury is a legitimate boxer. Um, the other one I saw and Aiden mentioned before the show was Artem Lobov. To me, the only reason that go that interests anyone or me and I think probably Jake Paul is Artem Lobov is a way to get to Conor McGregor, which is all you know. That's the fight you want. Let's face it, because that's the biggest fight you can have. Um, if he fights Artem Lobov and beats him, and in the process upsets him with some offensive comment, less yeah. that pretty much. I, in my opinion, cements the fact that he'll fight Conor McGregor at some point. But there are a couple of the names. Um, I've seen a couple of other British boxers who've said, you know, they would happily have a crack. To me, it needs to be someone... For Jake Paul to take the fight, it's got to be someone relatively well-known, which obviously I think Lo Artem Lobov is well-known because of his relationship with Conor. Tommy Fury is well-known because of who his brother is. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, which way do you see that going, Danny? Out of the like, if you had, would you pick one of those two to fight Jake Paul, or would you pick someone else? Yeah, just I don't think Jake Jake Paul wants boxer. to fight a, le a legit season boxer of any note. I no. think he wants to fight. He wants to pull people mainly into that arena. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that Lobov is tiny as well. He's not a very big, big guy. He'd be giving away a lot of natural yeah, weight. Yeah, really, really small. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Lobov's a much better uh, uh, striker overall, I would suggest, but he's given away a lot of natural size. And when you've got big pillars on your hands um, compared to the MMA gloves, it's going to make him a little bit more ineffective as well. So I don't, I'm not even too sure how that would even go down because weight matters, especially yeah. with the striking. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, we, I'm not one of these people that obsess about it. I'm too interested in UFCs and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But for, for many, many other people that you know, the, the UFC is just something they watch as a pastime, would also equally like to watch the attention that Jake Paul brings to this unusual arena that he's creating for himself. Uh, um, combat sports, I love them all. And even in their freak forms such as this, it's something different. Yes, he's not necessarily yeah. the most likable person in the world, but I think he knows it. I think he plays off it, and it's just going to make his pockets even more bigger in terms of financial gain. And that's going to open him up to offer more money to more wider audience to pull in whoever else he wants to. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it is a craziness, but it's just it's just the way things are at the minute. And I don't think it's necessarily bad. If if look, if five million plus people are trying to get access to watch this, there's got to be something right about it for for yeah. regards audience. I don't know. Oh, I, admit, well, I yeah, hate to think be. how many pay-per-view buys Conor McGregor versus one of the poor, poor brothers. Oh, it'd be record-breaking, no doubt. When you, um, one thing I always, I, I thought I spoke to people about this for years is um, when it comes to fighting, like I, I do myself. Sometimes you're watching a fight in the UFC and that, and you just, you just you're watching it, and, like you just can't be after. It's normal. It does happen. Like you watch a fight, you're not, not feeling it as much. 
But when there's a fight with like real emotion, there, real tension, it just get it just gets your energy. It's like when school, when two guys are fighting school, they couldn't fight the shit. Just the same with Jake yeah. Paul or yeah. whatever. They're not gonna they're not gonna fight the shit. They're gonna be terrible. But because they don't like each other, and there's a bit of animosity there. There's like a like a storyline. You want to watch it, and yeah. um, I feel like it like. Anyone who doesn't want these YouTube fights to be around, they're going to be sadly mistaken because they're going to be around. Because you can yeah. create a storyline. You've got two well known people, mm. that's all they have to do is start a beef with each other, which isn't hard. That's what we've done. They start these beefs, and people will tune in for a beef. If they act like best mates, they wouldn't tune in. Because, yeah. like Dustin Poirier and McGregor, where, or, or when McGregor was all pally pally with Soroni, they can do that because of the skill level we watch and we appreciate the art of what they can do and who they are, and we're already fans. But if you want to get guys to pay attention to something, just get them to be pissed off each other. And a lot of yeah. people, if you've got an audience, they will tune in. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think um, it'll be interesting, at least, to see where they go next. Um, can't, you know, look, Jake Paul and Logan Paul have made uh, millions and millions and millions of uh, dollars on being not liked. It's just, the, you know, and, and they, they thrive on it. It is what it is. Yeah, I I just wish they would offer me that I would step in there and fight for the ridiculous yeah, amount of money they're getting offering. Man, I could do with some money. Bring it my that's way. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I, right, could, I don't I mind losing that. a few more teeth. Hundred <laughs> percent, I take it. Right, um, just to finish this off, then, mate. Uh, before a well, finish. Uh, Aiden's going to chip off now, so we're going to uh, get the predictions for next week's uh, UFC card. Uh, UFC two six one. And uh, it's a proper card of fights, let me tell you. Let's have a look. So we got uh let's start at the top and move our way uh down, I think. But um so the main event, uh Kamara, Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Uh Aiden, who have you got and why? I've got Usman, I think he's fucking incredible. Um I trained in Sanford uh, for a week. Uh, when Brett was fighting Miami, I, I, I think that gym's got some seriously good tough guys. I know he's just left there, but when you probably train being done for somewhere, you do tend to like, keep a lot of them habits on you. So, he, like, I know he's trained a lot of good tough guys, just same as Hawaii. But he's also, um, from his last few fights, he showed real good championship results. He knows his ability just to get through, like, um, a deal because blasting, walking, and he, like, composed himself, came back, and looked incredible. So, I got Kamaru in that country. What about you, Dan? Yeah, uh, I've got to go Usman, really. I just, you know, if, obviously it's massive that I was going to win. It's because he's going to catch it with something like a jumping knee or one of those big big overhand yeah. punches. and He tastes blood very, very quickly. But, you know, Gilbert Burns can also be really explosive and, and taste blood. And he couldn't get the job done. And I just don't think Massive was going to get it done. I think he's obviously going to perform better than he did the first time around, being that he took it on such short notice and had such a hard weight cut for it. But, yeah, I just think Usman's just too complete. I think he's just a, a, a difficult difficult proposition for Masvidal to try and figure out, to find a way yeah. to get to him. I think over five rounds, Usman can play the patient game. I think Masvidal would suit more if it's three rounds. Yeah. But over five rounds, I think yeah. Usman will slowly start shutting him down technically and just suffocate his game. Um, I think Masvidal's got something to prove after the first fight. But ultimately, I think Usman will be too good. Um, yeah. But we'll see, I guess. Uh, then we've got the women's strawway title match between uh, Shang Weili, the champion, versus Rose Nama Yunus. Uh, Danny, we'll go to you first. Who you got? Ah, oh, this is such an interesting fight. And um, 
as a pure fan of martial arts, this is just such a great matchup. My heart I, would go I, for yeah. Rose. I, I really want Rose to win, but I don't. I just I find it hard to bet against yeah. Wiley. So, you know, putting money down, I'd go Wiley. But like I say, with my heart, I want would like to see Rose win and, and become super relevant again. But we'll see. I, I think Wiley's got it though. Wiley is a is an absolute animal. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. She is just a brutal fighter. And the problem with Wiley is not only is she highly, highly skilled, but she could take a beat in as well. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I my thing is the only uh, for me I think the only way Nama Yunus is going to be able to win is via points because I can't see her knocking her out and I can't see her finishing her. I can't see right. her submitting her. Yeah. Whereas Zhang Wiley, I can see stopping Rose. So mm. I'm going to go with uh, Zhang Wiley. Uh, I'm a big fan of her work, I've got to say. Um, what about you, Aiden? Uh, same here. Uh, funny enough, we all got the same manager. All, me, Jack, like, my manager's Jay Langmead and uh, things manager. So, oh, wow. like, yeah, I'm always posting with them and like what they do. But as um, like a fan watching, I think Zhang, I can't say name properly, but Zhang Lee will win. Um, I, after, like, I remember my manager posted for a while ago, see, and like, it was, like, she was like 17 year old thing. I was like, oh, this feels pretty Like She looks like a beast, which is pretty good. But then, mm-hmm. as I watched form, I just feel like he's got that that it thing, mm. and I think Rose is. I love watching Rose since I'm a fighter, but I don't know if she's got that it factor. I feel like we. I feel like Jiang has got that champion, that that thing that champions have, where they will just find a way to win. I just don't feel like. She yeah. knows, I feel like she doesn't know what to lose. Yeah. Yeah, I I still think that fight between Zhang Wiley and George was it Zhang yeah. Jacek, um, that was one of the best fights I've ever seen. Um, yeah, male or male or female, and I just yeah that that fight was historic. If she brings yeah, well the thing is, if she brings that game to Rose or the way Rose has fought in her previous five fights or whatever, like I just can't see Rose stopping her, and then I just yeah, think no. will Rose then have enough to outpoint her throughout five rounds? I think it's yeah. five rounds. Um, then we got uh, a women's flyweight title match between Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andrade. Will somebody take the title off Valentina or will they not? Uh, Aiden, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go Shevchenko. Um, I just feel like she won't get caught. Like, I don't think Andrade will be able to play the like, wider game on it. I just don't think mm. she's going to get hold of her and bully it. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think if it works too slick, she's going to move. I think it'll be a decision. I don't think it'll be. De- I don't think it'll be a finish. I think it'll be a de- uh, decision. But I think she'll just outclass her. She'll just look like a dormant champion. Yeah, she's good in the grapple as well, then Shevchenko. But she's underrated yeah. in the grapple, I think. So, but uh, yeah, I think Shevchenko. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I'm gonna go Shevchenko. I mean, Adrada's very, very good. I think yeah. she can push her in each and every range. But I, I, and yeah, Shevchenko's just. She's just so impressive. Um, she has been pushed in her last two bouts, you know, definitely yeah. so. But she still always finds a way to get it done, and she always does it very, very impressively. So, yeah, going to go Shevchenko. Um, and then very quickly, we'll do Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Uh, Aiden, <sighs> who you got? Um, I, I want to go Weidman. I want to go Weidman. I want. I actually want him to win. I like yeah, him. I think he's winning. But the problem with Weidman. He's winning the fight until he's not. So he's yeah. battered a guy and then gets started. Yeah. And you and if you were going to fight the guy in the UFC, 
and that's the type of fighter you are, you don't want to fight your eye all. He's the last. Yeah, he's so unpredictable, fight. isn't he? No, so I, I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm going to go wide though. I believe he, he gets past that, but otherwise, it's dead time. Yeah, two very unpredictable fighters for different reasons. Um, Danny, who you got? Yeah, this is really, really hard one to pick, uh, and and it, I, again, kind of my, my my sort of heart goes Chris Weidman because I love what he did, you know, um, back years ago. Um, you know, he, he he was, you know, the first person to topple Anderson Silva, you know, proper, and um, but then kind of has ne never really lived up to the expectations thereafter, did he? he kind of. Yeah. fell off the cliff somewhat but you know he's getting him back into some kind of relevancy I still don't think he's as good as he was but a rival he starts slow doesn't he all the time mm -hmm. he starts slow and maybe that gives Chris Wyman a chance to to sort of settle yeah. and keep his chin safe because it is all about I, I totally agree with Aiden that he's quite often winning up until he gets knocked out he seems to always go tits up somewhere down the line for him but a rival starts slow so I'm banking on because he starts slow. Chris Wyman can find his foot in, find his feet well, and try to just get to the finish line. And um, I think he'll take the early rounds and just have to hold on. I think he will get roughed up though, uh, but he has to stay out of trouble for that final round. Yeah, spot on. Um, and then the final fight for us to talk about: Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute. Um, obviously, Danny Jimmy beat Modestas uh, in his last fight. Anthony Smith um, needs a win. Who you got? Yeah, Jimmy Crute. I just he's uh, uh, yeah. Re I really, really highly rate this guy. To, to me, he's in the top five yeah, in, in abilities, as far as I'm concerned. And and Anthony Smith's had a hard time of it of late. I still really, really rate him. Don't get me wrong. Um, the, the the thing in and uh, Anthony Smith's favour is the fact that he's got quite a bit of height uh, height and reach uh, advantage. You know, he might be able to try and work that to his advantage at some point. But Jimmy Crute's so well-rounded. He can strike, he can wrestle, and his jiu-jitsu is really, really good. I really rate his grappling game. So I just think Jimmy Crute's got more ways to win. Yeah, yeah, I I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. Are Aiden, are you the same there, or do you fancy Anthony Smith yeah, in that one? Yeah, exactly the same, to be honest. Um, I, like, I, do, I, I actually like Anthony Smith, and when me and the boys sit together, and sometimes we pull like YouTube, I like to fight him, sitting there, just watching shit. Uh, he's one of my favourite highlight reels of anyone. Like, he's he bored his boys, but... I feel like Jimmy Coop is about. I feel like he's about to break into that. Like this is this this is why they give him this fight. They want to try and introduce a young up and comer who's yeah. all the ability in the world to a decently well-known name. And if he can't pass this test, then he's not going to be who he's going to be. But I think he'll pass with flying colours, and I think he'll generally be in the top ten uh, to the tail end of the shoot. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, Aiden, thank you for joining us, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Okay, I actually enjoyed a lot. I um, I'll come on again if you ever want me to come on after the fight or whatever. It's good laugh, Mr. Bean. Yeah, 100%, mate. Welcome back anytime. You, uh, try and get some sleep now, yeah. buddy. And uh, <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. Keep in touch, though, mate. Yeah, good yeah, talking yeah, to you, Aiden. Early pads in the morning. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Aiden James, another top guest for the Danny Batten Fight Show, mate. Really enjoyed that. Yes. It was a really interesting chat, and I like um, with these like guests and stuff. I do like that you get like a different insight into different things, and like obviously you don't hear a lot of fighters talk about the the anxiety before a fight, and I like mm -hmm. that. It was a good little insight into that. Yeah, that side I think of somebody. It. 
some of the fighters don't want to admit to it. You know, there there yeah. is anxieties, and along with the anxiety is some fear. And I, I've never. But you wouldn't shied be human, away. mate. You wouldn't be human yeah. if you didn't get that for me. Like, I, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I do. I do think there is people that don't have that fear. I mean, we know like these thrill seekers, they have a lot of inactivity in the part of the brain that would normally induce fear. So, you know, I do think there are some people out there that do compete that don't get affected by fear as much as us normal mortals. But um, I think for the most part, we do have fear. Um, yeah. and, and if it ain't a fear of your opponent, it's a fear of losing. Uh, no one really wants to lose, right? Um, no, of course not. Not if you're in it to win it if the fear is obviously that you could lose but that's the beauty of the sport as well you know if you're guaranteed to win there'd be no point doing it either yes yeah, spot on mate spot on but uh, let's talk some mma then mate um obviously well because we've covered so much tonight already we're going to fly through oh these. my god yeah we um, did but cover let's a lot. start with bellator from friday bellator 257 um it was quite an interesting card actually um some good fights you had uh, Paul Daly fought, obviously the Brit, uh, Corey Anderson fought in the Grand Prix. Um, so it's Roy, Ryan Bader is going to take on Corey Anderson in the next round of the light heavyweight Grand Prix, which is, I find that uh, an interesting matchup. But uh, what did you make of Corey Anderson's performance? Yeah, really, really good, really, really solid. Demonstrated some nice striking. Um, nice patience as well. It didn't rush anything. Clinched up very well. Started to nail the takedowns as the rounds progressed, and looked really, really good when he had the dominant position, throwing down those lethal-looking elbows to get the stoppage. Yeah, he's looking really, really good since he's gone over to Bellator. Um, I just don't think he's been coming up against this type of stiff competition that he was typically facing in UFC. So I think for that part, it seemed like an easy ride for him. But Bader, Bader's still very, very legit. And um, that's going to be a good matchup. I'll really be watching that fight with a lot of interest, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Um, you had uh, Vadim ne Nemkov versus Phil Davis uh, in the other light heavyweight Grand Prix quarterfinal with uh, Nemkov picking up a unanimous decision victory. Um, I thought Nemkov looks pretty good in this one, I've got to be honest. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Phil Davis always struggles with his work rate. He looks clinically you know, pretty clean as a striker. He's got very, very good wrestling and, and can grapple some as well. He really is a well-rounded individual, but he is a, just a little bit of a plodder. And he does just does, does everything well, apart from know where he's at in the fight. I don't know whether he knows he's slipping behind in the rounds. You would think his cornerman would tell him to try and pick up the pace, but he just couldn't run along with Nemkov, and Nemkov just took those early rounds. It did look like Nemkov was beginning to gas a little bit in round four and round five. Um, there was times he was having to take some deep breaths, and his pace seemed to slow up a little bit, and... Um, you know, it, it looked like it could potentially have slipped away from him. But the thing that impressed me with Nemkov was that although he was predominantly winning this with his work rate in the striking, he was shooting mm. in towards a lot of one and a half minutes to one minute left of the round. He was actually shooting in with legit takedowns, um, which for which he did have successes with. And if he didn't create a success, he was pushing um, him up against the, uh, the cage just to just to consolidate the round, I suppose you would say. Um he really, really impressed me with the way he performed in each and every one of those rounds. Yes, indeed. Um, so we also had uh, Paul Semtex Daly defeated uh, Shabar Hamasi via TKO strikes. This was fascinating because, like, when you look at it, oh, Paul Daly wins via TKO strikes about a minute into the first, second round. But actually, uh, Hamasi did very well before he got knocked out. 
Absolutely. He come out all guns ablaze. He really, really did. I hated Hamas's kicking game. Every time he kicked at Paul Daly's legs, he was out of distance, would throw the kick as if it was going to land him. Obviously, it didn't. It made him off balance. It was horrible. But when he went in with the hands, he looked utterly devastating and nearly put Paul Daly away. Um, he, he, he put the, Paul Daly on his uh, on his ass, was really aggressively chasing after the ground and pound thereafter. And he had um, more than one occasion where he had Paul Daly yes. a little bit vulnerable. But Paul there Daly... At one point, he looked like he had him completely yes, and I thought did. it was game it was, over. Yeah, just a little bit more. And I think the ref could have had grounds to step in and stop the fight. But Paul Daly was showing that he wanted to, to stay in it. He was trying to transition his positions from the floor to back to his feet. And Paul Dale just was showing his seasoned game, his, his experienced game. He was patient. He got his opportunity and really put it on Hamasi. And I don't know whether it's because Hamasi took something out of himself by trying to chase down uh, Paul Daly so early on. Mm. Maybe he was getting himself a little gas, but when he was on the receiving end, um, it looked more devastating what Paul Daly was doing. And, Paul Daly got the win. It was a great win. What can you say? Yeah. Well, well yeah, done, Paul Daly. Yeah. I don't know what he's going to do with his career now. I don't know whether he's going to formally retire or whether he's going to keep going. Because the thing is, when you win, it makes you feel like you want to keep winning. And then yes. when you lose, you feel like you want to fight one more time to get the win. <laughs> it's just yeah. ongoing battle uh, yeah, when no, you try to retire. But he has been in it a long time. If he didn't fight anymore, you know, well, he's had you. a smashing career. If he does fight again, it's always got to be fireworks. Oh, yeah doesn't hold back um, the other fight on the main card was uh, the ladies uh, Vita uh, Vita Ortega versus Desiree Yanis uh, I was pleased that to see a couple of, uh, of three female fights on the card overall uh, Julia Budd won via decision uh, on the preview card, uh, prelims and Julia Angelica has won as well um, Bellator haven't always featured the ladies that right. prominently so to have three fights on the card overall I thought was good uh, yeah. Vita in the main card uh, Vita Ortega defeated Desiree uh, via a majority decision did you watch right. this one? no 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 I didn't um, yeah so it was, a, it was a good little fight um, but I thought Vita won pretty comfortably um, for right. what I saw I only saw the highlights of that one but um, but ultimately good uh, you know enjoyable fight uh, enjoyable card from Bellator um, and it's good to see that these like the Bellator cards are back up and running properly now. Uh, yeah. And we're seeing the big fighters come out. You know, the big yeah, guns. that's right. Yeah. We're actually seeing some good matchups. Uh, it I, was actually I, enjoyable I hope, to watch Bellator. Yeah, indeed. I hope they bring, you know, Lewis Long and, and these guys back. Not what we obviously heard rumours over the last couple of weeks of Bellator yeah. getting rid of some of the European fighters. They've got some real yeah. good talent there. And I, I hope Agreed. they use them rather than bin them. Um, which, you know, they won't struggle to get fights and contracts elsewhere but that's not the point um, right. and then we got the the UFC um, fight night from Vegas uh, every fight on the main card went to the judges uh, two fights on the prelims went to the judges uh, I thought there was one TKO but I can't it doesn't seem to be on my card um, oh there sorry uh, there was more prelims uh, so there was a couple of prelims fight one Tony Gravely, uh, who obviously we watched fight Brett Johns, uh, finished Anthony Burchek via a TKO in round two. Um, and I've been told that was a really, really good finish. Right. Uh, so I might have a quick look at that one, actually. But, um, yeah, um, some familiar names on the prelims. Uh, Gerard Mershat beats Fabianski via a guillotine. Um, 
Tully Gravely obviously picked up a win. Um, but on the main card, mate, we started with uh, Luis Pena versus Alexander Munez. Went to a split decision with Luis Pena picking up the victory. Yeah, I, was, I actually thought Munez won it. I thought yeah. Munez uh, picked up the first two rounds and Pena obviously won that third round. But I, I, I don't know how they could give Pena that round. And, and Munez landed more significant strikes in those first two rounds, in each of the rounds. And also was nailing the takedowns. I really am bewildered on how it went in Penner's favour. I, I really don't, I, I don't get it. And this is perhaps something that I'm going to be putting to Paul Sutherland and see what yeah, he comes definitely. up with. Yeah, I'd be curious He'd to see. I don't know whether you agree. explain it to us, mate. Yeah, I Absolutely, agree yeah. with you, mate. And, um, yeah. I was struggling yeah, but what it. a good point. I mean, Munoz was really impressive, really. A Penner's a difficult customer, six foot three, super rangy. And the thing that impressed me with Penner is always his calmness and ability to get back up to the feet. So, yes, he got taken down. He's extremely torn and lean at that weight. So, it's not surprising that sometimes he can get taken down with someone that's five foot nine and got a pedigree wrestling skills like Munez. But the way he gets up and so calm, and he seems to look up at the ca uh, uh, at the uh, the big TV screens to see what arm position and what type of foot position uh, Munez had. And he's done this in numerous fights. If, if you look back, you'll see him look up at the screen, and he pummels his arms accordingly, depending on what the position is. Mm. And, and that was quite quite different. But such a such a calm, calm guy that squeezes the pressure on from the feet. Have you noticed his cardio is really, really incredible? Very, he scrambles up from his feet. He under pummels. He gets people up, and he's straight away trying to crowd you with that length and range of his. But like I say, Muniz for me, I I felt like he was the one that won it. I don't know what. The people who watched it, what they think, but that's how I felt it was. But Penner is going to be hard to beat over five rounds for anyone. I think three rounds, okay, you, you, you could try to push it, but I think over five rounds, he could be potentially really, really difficult customer to come across for anyone in that weight division. Yeah, and I think he's got that unorthodox style as well, which I quite like. Uh, yeah. Just quite enjoyable to watch as well, there's Penner. But yeah, I thought Munoz won. Uh, next up was Tracy Cortez defeating Justine Kish via a split decision 29 28, 28, 29 29, 28. Um, yep. What do you make of this one? Yeah, a little bit surprised it was a split decision. I think Kish did well at times, but I thought Cortez looked really, really good. We know Cortez is great at you know, wrestling. She's good on the ground, and um, you know she was showing those skill differences when they clinched up. She was taking Kish down, and she was controlling much of the aspects of the grappling. Lost control of Kish a couple of times, allowing Kish to get back to her feet. Because Kish, to me, always looked a little bit uncouth on her feet. Um, mm. She just got very good cardio, got great drive and passion to try to win, um, but just didn't put her combinations together very cleanly for my liking. Um, when she was throwing like a, um, a right cross punch, a left hand would go wayward. When she would throw a kick, both her arms would drop down. She just didn't look very clinical or technically very, very uh, tight. But physically, uh, she was in amazing shape and she really pushed it on Cortez. But Cortez really impressed me because also her striking where you might think she would have the advantage. I think Cortez conducted herself very, very well in the striking. And I think she, she's just showing that she's slowly becoming a well-rounded individual. I think she could be a force to be reckoned with in the future. I didn't agree with it being a split decision. For me, Cortez was the um, outright winner in this one. But yeah, sometimes the judges do have me scratching my head. Again, another one that I'd like uh, Paul Sutherland to put his perspective on it. Yeah, just so we could get a better understanding of it. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think uh, I thought it was 
Cortez's victory rather than a split. But I yeah. suppose at least they got the result you know, right, uh, ultimately. Um, yeah. Jacob Malkoum defeated Abdul Razak Al-Hazan via a unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. What did you make of this? Yeah, Al-Hazan, we know, has got some good striking, um, yes. but got kind of showing up a little bit like Holland. Holland's been found out by giving away his hips and his legs for the takedown guy. Uh, Malkoum got in on the hips and the legs with no real offensive, really. It was no just all too all, easy. Was it? No, it wasn't, and there was no ability in Al Hassan's game to to adjust. So definitely things to work for, uh, you know, and in regards to him fighting in the future, because people will look at that and they'll be targeting those hips and legs every single time. Because Marcoon, he didn't have to do anything super complex to get to get the die down. Didn't you know? Normally, when you're getting um, you know into the wrestling range, you want to get it down. You normally have to fight and get yourself in some kind of physical deficit when you get him to the ground. He had no such troubles against El Hassan. He was getting him down with little effort and able to work quite an active top game. Yeah, and I think um, the thing with the likes of Holland and uh, Al Hassan, like for me, is you know we talked about Paddy earlier having an all-round game and the yeah. UFC being the cream of the crop, the world-class athletes. That is true. But if you put Paddy... Pimblet, for, for instance, against a guy like Kevin Holland or uh, Al Hassan, into and they were the same weight with yeah. the skill sets they've got. Paddy Pimblet wins nine times out of ten because he's Quite able. To, he would just yeah. take them down and submit them all over. You yeah, know, absolutely. You technically they don't have the caliber to survive against someone like like him. Yeah, Paddy would just absolutely decimate him on the ground, and it. it It'll be done in the first round as well. He'd put them away very, very quickly. Um, but unfortunately, his vision yeah. is stacked with talent where they're good strikers, yeah, they're good, good wrestlers, good grapplers. It's a very, very different division. Um, oh, just, I just reminded myself as well, Mason Jones is in the United States of America at the moment. Uh, right. I'm expecting a fight announcement anytime soon. Good uh, stuff. Just because he's out there, he, he'll be itching to get out because you know, he was more mortified with them. Um, how his debut in the UFC went from a result point of view. Um, look, we know Mason can bang with the best of them, so yeah. he's going to be keen to make a point, I think, uh, coming into that second fight. So it'll be interesting who they match him up against. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I thought um, Al Hassan just didn't have the skills to deal with Malcoon's takedowns, and no. it, it showed, uh, you know, over the over the fight. Um, next up was Andre Olavsky, aged 250, defeated uh, Chase Sherman by unanimous decision. Olavsky marches on. The experienced man got it done. What yeah, did he did. And, um, you know, it's one of the ones that I won on my predictions, so I'm happy about that. But this was never an easy one. If you remember when we threw the predictions, I was like, oh, which way do I go here? Do I go with the young up-and-comer? Or do I stick young with up the and kind of, uh, young up and comer yeah. 31 versus yeah. the experienced 42 year old? Sure, yeah, and and 42. I mean, you 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 really are cracking on years, but he kept himself in good shape overall, yeah, and yeah. still has pretty good reflexes to be honest, and still got a, a decent enough chin. Um, yes, he has been finished a few times now as his age has marched on, but he's still got good chin about him, and you know, I think it, you know, it really is to behold what he's doing in that heavyweight division. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
you know, I think he'll be the first to admit he's no longer the very, very top tier in the division. But for my money, he's still in the top 15 all day long. And, gate, um, a gate, gate, gatekeeper for newcomers. Yeah, like I think uh, possibly a, a little Tom, bit. Tom Aspinall, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Possibly so, yeah. Um, but Loski did impress me. But um, the only thing I did observe about Loski, and I hope that he puts it right, when you're so seasoned as such as he is, you know, your guard come a come go a little bit wayward. This is why I love going back to my boxing coach to re-establish where my hand position is, to get my balance right. And I sort of, I always talk to him like it's, I go back to, you know, taking my car for an MOT, making mm. sure everything's in order. I just go back to my boxing coach every now and then just to make sure everything's in order. I hope he goes back because he does pedal his hands. And when I say pedal his hands, he, he circles his hands like this. And of course, with someone with good timing that's a little sharp and, uh, and young as Sherman, you know, they'll come in, they will find your chin. They'll time the circle motion as it retracts down. I would like to see him keep and maintain those hands a little bit higher, a little bit tighter, like he used mm. to do back in his younger day. I just hope this is not a habit of age that's slowly creeping in because he'll get found out with these young wads. But nevertheless, I mean, still a great performance, though. And let's be fair, he only fought two months ago against um, Tom Aspinall. So to That's come right, out after yeah. after Tom Aspinall chugged him out to to come out yeah. and put on a three round you know win, I think yeah. it deserves a lot of credit for that. Just two months later, did he do enough to get a rematch against Tom Aspinall? And if you're Tom Aspinall, do you need to fight him again? Uh, I don't think Tom Aspinall needs to fight Oloski again. Um, I think Oloski should carry on fighting these up and coming youngsters. He's getting paydays. Oloski in the rankings still. He is, uh, I'm he? not too sure where he's placed oh, now. Okay. I'm surely, surely he's top 15. I think he's in the ranking. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he's ranked, and it'd be interesting to see where they'll position him after this win against Sherman, because Sherman was an up-and-comer. You know, he, mm. he, he was uh, getting himself for that division. Into he is, his... isn't he? I know, like yeah. I joked, you know, 31 up-and-comer, but like for for heavyweights, like 31 yeah. not old, is it? No, no, um, it's not. Let's have a look at the heavyweight division. So uh, Volkov, Rosenstruck. No, Alofsky is technically not in the top 15, or he wasn't before last night. Uh, yeah. Tom Aspinall is. Yeah, I don't see there's a reason really for Tom Aspinall to be looking down now. No, he should be looking no. up all the way. Yeah. Uh, I would but, like to see him fight Walt Harris, by the way, just on a side note. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be a good one. But yeah, yeah uh, Alofsky, I thought, did very well. Can still take a punch. Still fit as a fiddle, aged 42, yeah. by the way. Because in that yeah. third round, he was bouncing around doing. He was. He was. Up, he was up on his feet. Enjoying you know it, Alovsky's mouth was a little bit open, so he was definitely working hard in there. But he shook off instead of becoming stuck stuck in the mud. Maybe this is mm. the way he's dealing with the fact that he is getting older, rather than standing your ground fighting in the pocket, which takes a bit of energy to do to do that. He's yeah. choosing to get on his bike and sit behind his jab. And if you have a look in that fight, his jab was actually really, really successful. There was many times in the fight that he was landing a double jab. Um, and the only thing that was a little bit different from what, what he Losky would normally do to his game, he was coming forward with those flurries and, and losing some power off his shots, but coming with these flurries. It w was leaving him a little bit exposed and against that hard returning hitter that's got some mm. accuracy could get himself in trouble doing it like that I wasn't a fan of that sort of style that he was bringing um, but his jab was working really really well I liked that he was um, getting on his bike to stay out of trouble and stick behind that jab in the latter round he still did some really really good things and I'm really happy for him I've always been a fan of Velosky and I'm glad that he's still relevant and got a few fights still left in him 
Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And I thought he really looked like he was enjoying it. I gotta say. Yeah, he, he did. Like he looked genuinely like as if he was kind of at this point where he's like, yeah, do you know what? I am coming to the end of my career, but I'm going to enjoy it. Why not? Why yeah. shouldn't I yeah. enjoy it? Absolutely. Um, the main event of the evening, Robert Whittaker fought Calvin Gastelum. What did you make of this? Yeah, again, another one that I predicted correctly, Sorry. Well done. Um, just got to say that. Um, yeah, Gastelum always amazes me because he's just five foot nine in this division and and that's not very big for for a middleweight um but he has packed on some size on his upper body but he's lacking a little bit in the legs department and gaslam we know what he's going to do we know what he wants he, he wants to come in heavy with those hands but against Whitaker, who's taller rangier and really really fit he's, he's an incredible athlete robert Whitaker. he's got bags and bags of cardio but the thing is he doesn't abuse his cardio where he just pushes hard down and, and just goes at a ferocious pace he always holds it back he just does the right amount of work according to the circumstance and that circumstance was kevin gaslam always having to chase to try and get in the pocket for which he was getting successes in the first minute and a half of the first round but yeah. thereafter whitaker started sussing him out and actually ca catching him on the way in Gaslam was always potentially dangerous. Um, I think out of the two of them, Gaslam's the one with the bigger dynamite in his hands. And that's what he had to try to hit home with. And Whitaker knew that. And Whitaker was not afraid to get on his bike and pedal around like we saw Olosky do in that final round. Whitaker was footworking around as and when needed to, fighting in the pocket as and when he needed to. But the nice thing about what I saw Whitaker do, which goes to show how high IQ his camp is and he is, is that he brought something new to every round. In the first round, he just established himself with his hands. He started introducing kicks to the latter part of that first round. And in the second round, getting successes with the head kick. In the third and fourth round, he started introducing knees and he started introducing takedowns as well in, in, in rounds three, four and five. This guy just had it all together. He was hacking in at the legs, the body, the head. He was giving it all, including the wrestling. It was really, really impressive. Likewise, on the flip side of that, I was really impressed with Gaston was choosing to try to make attempts to take uh, to take Whitaker down. But like I said for my predictions, I felt like Whitaker was just too good all round. And I think his physical height advantage, his athleticism advantage was going to um, ring, ring um, through for him. And indeed it did. I wasn't disappointed with Gaston. I think Gaston, like I say, just does so well when you think that his stature is so short against such potential big adversaries but Whitaker in my mind he's he's absolutely earned his right to fight um Adesanya now he, he, we've got to get that fight on yes 100 percent um Robert Whitaker I thought mate just looks like it looks a little bit refreshed as if that yeah, does. um that loss and maybe he gave him a little, I don't know sort of a little injection of something yeah he's uh, looked better and better each fight looks, looks back to himself and um yes that's he does what we want ultimately is Robert Whittaker at his A game so we can make that uh, that title rematch happen at some point because yeah. that's a you know, it is a great fight isn't it? Uh, to, to yeah. potentially look forward to. But uh, Whittaker just impresses me how fit he is. Like yeah. this was quite an active fight and like five rounds in and he's still able to shuffle along the floor with Gastelum on top of him. He's still able yeah. to move his feet quick enough when he's on his Absolutely, feet. Absolutely, yeah conditioning out of this world mate i gotta yeah, say it is impresses it is. me and every time because these are no small guys either no it's not you know if you have a look at you know, his, his legs and upper body that equally quite thick set he's he's got incredible athletic frame um but 
you know, oh, have I lost you? Oh, I, do, I think just went blank then. You still got me? Yeah, I still got you. Yep, okay. Um, yeah, when you look at his frame, you know, he must have to cut a little bit of weight, but this guy obviously lives a very, very clean life. He obviously mm. trains very, very hard at all times. Um, yeah, he, he he's in this sport. Fit, well, with the, any of those fighters are in the sport ultimately for quite a long part, uh, a short part of their life in terms of a of a working career, and he's taken himself completely serious. You know, you know, and you can trust that every time he steps in that cage, he's going to be in top tier shape. I just think he's rehomed his skills, resharpened his confidence, and he's ready for the title now. Yeah, me too. I agree completely. Um, so. Uh, a very interesting weekend of fights, mate. And uh, obviously, we had a, another top guest from uh, the MMA world, which I really enjoyed. Really enjoyed having a chat to Aiden. So I thank him for giving us uh, an hour or so of his time. I had a really interesting little chat with him. And of course, we talked Jake Paul, Ben Askren, Bellator, UFC, and a few little news. But we'll be back next week for another episode of the Danny Brown Fight Show. And joining us will be Cage Warriors featherweight champion, Mr. Jordan the Epidemic Vucenic. Cannot wait, because it's always a good time. I love talking to the man, so it's going to be always a good time. Could be a long one, because we end up just talking instead of doing what we're supposed to be doing. But uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. Join us. Until then, Danny, as always, a pleasure, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, I. Thanks to all the listeners. And thanks, Aidan Jones, for being on. It's been an absolute pleasure this weekend. really has. Quality, mate. See you later. Podcast Network.